Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University. And here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So welcome to interview number 18 in our series of Meet the Education Researcher. My name is Neil Selwyn and I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University of Melbourne, Australia. And the aim of this podcast is simple. We're going to spend 15 minutes or so getting to know what researchers in and around the faculty are currently up to. So the guest today is a visitor to the faculty, Bill Green, Professor of Education at Charles Sturt University. Bill's been described as one of Australia's most recognised education researchers. He's worked across a bunch of areas, from English and literacy teaching through to rural education and curriculum history. He's definitely somebody worth listening to. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon. Now, this isn't meant to be a this-is-your-life retrospective, but I was wondering, first of all, if you look back over your career, what are the central questions that your work has been addressing? And I guess more trickily, have you been able to come up with any answers to these questions? <laughs> yes, the... Answers after <laughs> after such a long time. I mean, I started, you know, um, out of my, my work as an English teacher and that bit was initial focus. And very quickly it became connected to questions of power, cultural politics, social inequalities, um, power structures. And even though I think there was a period and that became more muted, I think it's been consistent all the way through. It's almost become, you know, taken for granted. Um, not a question of conspicuous politics, mm. but a, an ongoing one. And and I see that from the work, initial work in English teaching as a, te- a teacher educator. And now I would sort of see my work mainly in the area of kind of curriculum scholarship, so curriculum theory broadly. And I still find the same interest uh, about questions of power mm. uh, and culture uh, become, you know, and history are, are central. So, I mean, I, I was being a bit facetious in the original question. I guess the job of education research shouldn't be to come up with answers. I guess things like cultural po- politics and power and all of these issues, they, there mm. are no easy answers. Mm. So, I mean, surely you're addressing things that you can never really be expected to have straightforward conclusions no they're 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 ongoing things i mean at one stage i i wrote about the impossible project of education um and i think it is uh, i think there is an impossibility Mm. about it and the good thing about that is that there's always work to be done yeah because to say it's impossible as you know is not to say just give up it's to say that you you know um don't expect ready easy answers, ticks, if you like. Uh, the work has to keep, you have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's one thing I, I would say, looking, looking back and thinking of, of you know, uh, people coming into the field, working, you know, ongoing work, committing to really good work um, uh, and, and hanging in there um, because there's always work to be done mm. um, and the, the skills that we develop the knowledges we accumulate, they're resources for getting things done. Yeah, absolutely. And also one of our roles, I guess, is to actually kind of speak up about how difficult and complex education is. So this, mm. you know, the fashionable term is, I guess, a wicked problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I guess you're, you're noted for your use of social theory and critical mm. theories. I mean, how have you made use of theory in your work? I mean, mm. what's theory given you? Well, first thing I've got to say is I've always been absolutely fascinated by theory. I mean, and, and theory seems to me to bring together two things, writing and ideas. Mm. Um, so um, uh, right from the very beginning, I was so so intrigued and I, you know, I think uh, retrospectively I realised that I was m- mimicking the forms of writing of the people, the scholars and the writers I admired. 
uh, I was kind of walking around in their shoes mm. until I realised, uh, you know, to, how to do it properly. So who were those people, that, the, the giants, standing on the shoulders of giants? Absolutely, were... absolutely. I mean, early days it was in the literary theory area, the phenomenologists, uh, then the, uh, the structuralists, the post-structuralists, cultural studies people, um, and then, you know, connecting to... Um, Political philosophy, the work of Ernesto Laclau, for instance, who remains a, a major a major figure for me. Lots of which would have been translated then. So you're also kind of standing in the footsteps of the translators. Yeah. Sure. And, and in that regard, I mean, that's, uh, you know, looking back, I regret that I'm, I'm really reliant on, on, mm. on translation so much. And, and in that regard, I've often found, because this is just what happens, it accumulates... I've often got more than one translation of the same text, yeah, yeah. and I may, you know, and that becomes really generative in various sorts of ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really interested how you can use kind of 20th century structuralist philosophy and apply it to say a 21st century rural mm. classroom in Australia. I mean, how applicable is kind of that philosophy to contemporary education issues? Well, um, you know, it it seems to me that. Uh, uh, if we're if we're wanting to connect notions of discourse to notions of space, for instance, um, you know we're, we're then we're then able to talk about how people are, are formed, how subjects are formed in socio-spatial fields that are always split, and always divided, always hierarchized. and you know that's one of the ways I've been able to connect with in, in the rural work, which has been the last. You know, one focus in the last twenty years, really, when I've been living inland in Australia, I was able. To, I saw that that field, for instance, as being pretty much theory-free, mm. or a, or a particular kind of theory. Um, the emphasis was on a particular version of policy and practice, and I was able to bring, I think, um, different kinds of theoretical investigation. To um, to those kinds of problems, you know, some of it was was of a sociological nature, but others required a a, a more philosophical uh, thinking in various yeah. sorts of ways. And it can get you asking really interesting questions. So I was interested in your your recent work on the body, for example. Mm -hmm. And I mean, can you just talk us through how theory sort of informed your approach to embodiment? It, that was in the context of thinking about professional education and professional practice right. education, teaching. Um, uh, nursing, you know, the range of, 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 of those sorts of professions. In the case of teaching, it was helpful in being able to um, highlight that um, we were bodies in classrooms. You know, we weren't just heads and we weren't just voices. Yeah. Um, looking back, it, you know, and drawing upon kind of historical literature, there was a whole lot of stuff about comportment, about uh, uh, you know speech training and and those sorts of things, they were always demonstrations of the self, and they were often you know the the self as an emulable subject. So um, thinking about the body, drawing upon um, you know um, um, people like Mer like Merleau Ponty, um, uh, the uh, you know a whole range of of, of thinkers around the body, um, we were we were able to. Um, provide a kind of uh, a rich account framed within what I came to call philosophical empirical inquiry, work that brought together empirical work, which might well be field work of various kinds, 
but in, f- in philosophical inquiry as well, yeah, yeah. working with concepts self-consciously. Yeah, so driven by ideas, mm. seeing theories, ideas. It's a really yeah. interesting way of thinking about it. Now, you talked about hanging on in there, which is a, a <laughs> you're now an emeritus professor. I mean, I'm just wondering, first off, is it as fun as it looks? And how are you coping with the lack of being managed and being measured and performativity? I can say that I'm probably, you know, uh, I haven't quite escaped any of that oh, really? in, in the sense that um, my wife is still in the university and involved in those sorts of things. So I keep hearing about it constantly. One degree of separation. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, my post-institutional life, uh, what is interesting is not to have to be involved in the same kind of things that are always taking up our time. And it seems to be increasingly um, the case. Uh, there is a loneliness, though. Mm. I mean, and certainly living uh, inland as I do, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I still wish for the kind of intellectual company um, that, that I imagine is mm. around. But I also hear that it's not as, you know, there's not a lot of intellectual company often in institutions as they are now. Absolutely. So that's that's an issue, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I agree with you completely, and I increasingly find myself going online and watching seminars that are being held in Harvard or Oxford and Yale, and getting the kind of intellectual stimulation yeah. from, from remotely in some yeah. ways. And there's something to be said for actually trying to foster a sense of intellectual community from within an individual faculty. I was interested. You're talking about the freedoms as well, though. I mean, yeah. that gets me thinking that perhaps these are things that we should all be trying to fight for. I mean, mm. great that you get it when you're an emeritus professor, mm. you haven't, but surely we these things that take up our time. Mm. Is there space perhaps for you know people like you that have kind of been there and seen it to then start using your experiences now and pushing back and saying, "Hang on a minute, it doesn't have to be like this." I'd like to think there is research and scholarship must remain a really important part of our lives. Um, uh, you know, our, our whole working identities should, you know, in, in continue to include a powerful, you know, research and scholarship mandate. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we do need to uh, work hard to keep that in the foreground. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Yeah, again, it comes back to ideas and knowledge. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, I often ask people what, what they're writing but I actually wanted to ask you about how you're writing. And then you've talked before about academic writers and how academic writers have a diminished use of language, a blunt use of language, producing books and articles that are functional but boring. So, I mean, how can we or how should we be writing in a more engaging manner? Yeah. Well, you know, since uh, I've retired from my institution, I have been writing other things, all right? I've got back to writing poetry um, uh, which is something I hadn't been doing for 25 years and I was, you know, publishing before that. Mm. Why did you um, stop? Um, I found that the academic writing was such that it, uh, you know, it kind of took up all my energies. Um, but at the same time, one of the things about my writing I, uh, uh, is it's, um, it often uses images. Mm. Um, you know, an example, I think one that you, you know, Aliens in the Classroom, and Aliens and Their Others, which is a follow-up paper. Um, now, uh, that was, you know, self-consciously built about around metaphors and partly with puns. So I've always used uh, language in that fashion, not always to my advantage because people <laughs> have said, well, why don't you get to the point, you yeah. know? Oh, it's not serious. Yeah. Um, and and But I one of the things I do think is a, a lot of academics – 
may write quickly um, and effectively, but not very interestingly, mm. you know. Um, and uh, I think this is something that we we need to keep on pushing for, um, writing that engages with serious issues and, and so on, but writing that it is itself engaging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that, that often comes down to a kind of commitment to um, allowing our, the language to, 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 some, to some extent to direct our writing, mm, mm. even coming down to thinking, of, you know, again, about what constitutes academic writing. Is it, you know, the business of communication, of entertaining, of informing, um, of engaging? Yeah, and also being entertained during the process of writing it. Mm. I really enjoyed my writing the stuff I write. Mm. I don't know whether anyone enjoys reading mm. it, but it's got to be a pleasurable process. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I think that has implications for the way we work with our students, mm. our graduate students. Um, they are writers. They need to understand them as writers because they are researchers. And because they are researchers, they are writers. Yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I, there's more that I think that we can do with that, um, uh, both in their presentations, uh, which is not necessarily working off their written texts, but you know, working in an engaging way with the audiences they are, and transforming their writing for different different yeah, audiences. Yeah, no, that's mm. a really good point. Uh, finally, nice easy question. Looking towards the future, mm. I'm just really interested what you think. Uh, education, where education research needs to be heading in the next 10 years? I mean, mm. what questions and approaches and controversies do you think that early career researchers of 2018 mm. need to be focusing their careers on? Well, one of the things that seems to me is that uh, we really do need to see the field of education studies as much more than just school education. Mm. The, uh, the, whole, the whole question of, um, you know, uh, education is happening in, in other areas, other fields, other professions, medical education, yeah, etc. Yeah. The question of curriculum is occurring as much more than a sort of a course of study in a, in a school, the curriculum of theme park, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way in which um, media is increasingly educative in all sorts of ways and therefore becomes a site for educational inquiry because educational inquiry to some extent um, can um, uh, work with it but also work against it, uh, against some of the ways in which that the, the kinds of education that mm -hmm. are being made available in that broader social field um, you know, uh, now is, is increasingly caught up in, in, in a commercial sort of frame. Absolutely. How to read against that against the grain? How to bring educative um, principles to bear, uh, critical principles, and I think that's a really important part of the of the area. Yeah, look outside of the school and look towards the edu business, and as you say, Absolutely. yeah, uh, that's a really yeah. good point to end. Well, fantastic. Thanks ever so much, Bill. Well, thank it's, you. It's been great to have a little bit of time to speak with you. And uh, yeah, I've met many people who've gained a lot from your work. So yeah, I hope you get to carry on with it for a good few years. Yeah. Thanks very much.